are so happy that you guys are here worshiping here this morning. We know that the Bible says that out of our innermost being will bring forth rivers of living water. So as we worship this morning, I invite you to stand and join us. Amen. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns our bones. There is an ocean. But in fear, the tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now.
Jesus.
welcome your presence here, Lord. We say that we need you, God, and that we want you here. Lord, we ask that you would come into our hearts right now, Lord, that you would have your way in this place, God, that you would show up and show out, Lord, we need you. Father, we welcome you. We ask you to send your spirit. Come and breathe upon us in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
that your presence is here your spirit is here and in the presence of the Lord miracles take place people's lives are changed healings take place in the presence of the Lord God we just thank you that you are here to save to heal to deliver to set free we welcome you we're gonna take time right now in the middle of our worship to pray with you about anything you have need of but when I was praying over the service this weekend, I felt that God told me there were going to be people here that were discouraged, that were tired, that were weary, and some that were depressed. And this is what I know. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And as you enter into his presence this morning, you will be filled up, encouraged, and strengthened. And we would like to pray with you. Let me tell you what David did. Did you know David got depressed? He got discouraged. In Psalms 42, verse 5, he said, he talked to his soul. He said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, receive prayer. Come as our prayer team comes forward. Come and receive prayer. But speak to your soul and tell your soul, don't be discouraged. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to trust him because he's a miracle-working God. I invite you to come down and receive prayer as we continue to worship. And how deep the Father's love for us. And how vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch's treasure. And I great the pain of searing loss. The fire. 
Bless your name in this place this morning. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful price you paid, Lord, for us, Jesus.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. If you would like to stay up to date on all of our church's events and services, grab a red information card from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering. We'll be sure to get you added, and you can cancel at any time. If you're attending our women's retreat next weekend, stop by the foyer and grab some information for directions and so you can know what to pack. You can also sign up for transportation or to carpool. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect Spirit-Filled Life freedom and becoming a person of influence classes there is a wednesday night class for everyone why does a good god let bad things happen am i truly saved why doesn't god speak to us more directly
You know, you can change a lot with just 46 characters. For example, you can change where you live. Or you can change your relationship status. Fellas, we do not recommend proposing via text message. You could also change your career, change your vehicle, or you could change just about anything. But maybe this week, you could use 46 characters to change someone's life. Think about it, pray about it, and use your 46 characters for a change. Amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? Are you glad to be here? Hey, our ushers are coming down right now, and you can grab a Church on the Rock invite card. It's actually four or five of them. This is the week to invite somebody to church. How many people know there's people all over this community that don't go to church that need Jesus, and we can minister to them by just giving them an invite card. Amen? Also, hey, if you have not went through our Connect class, our new Connect class is starting this Wednesday night at 6.30 in the Connect Cafe. Listen, this is a great opportunity for you to find out more about our church. If you want to start serving, start leading, this is a first step for you to go through our Connect class. You will be glad that you went. Hey, in the chair in front of you is our new Bible reading guides. We are starting in, the, in March. We're going to be reading Leviticus and in the, finishing up the book of Acts. And so uh, I want to encourage you, take one of those, or better yet, download the Church on the Rock app and follow along. You can listen, you can read on that app, and it is incredible to read the Bible with your church family. Hey, I just wanted to mention to all of you parents out there of elementary and under kids, next Saturday night is our date night. What that means, you come to church with your kids, then you can check them back into Kids Zone, go out on a date and come back and get them later that evening. So... So let's free up some seats next Sunday morning by coming Saturday night and um, enjoy a date night or a parents' night out with your kids. You know, go shopping. Yeah, and husbands, get some brownie points. Take your wife out next Saturday night for a day. Come to church. Amen. Amen. We have our offering with Pastor Zach. Give it up for him. Amen, amen. How many people are excited to be at church this morning? Amen. Well, we do want to continue our worship with our tithes and offerings. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking several months ago, if you remember this, Pastor John was doing a message about being a blessing to the people around us. And I remember specifically, we did something that was a little different. There, we had people at the back doors, and whenever we exited church, you could actually get money whenever you left church. Does anybody remember this? It was several months back, but there was one stipulation on it. It was $10, and it was, if you take $10, we want you to spend this $10 to bless them. So this might be, man, buying them lunch, buying them a cup of coffee, whatever it may be. But that day, one of the guys in our 20s group, he said, uh, you know, I was there. I, I, I took the $10. I went to Outback right after second service. And while I was there, I had made up my mind, you know, I'm going to bless someone while I'm here. And he said he kind of looked around once he got there, and there was a mom and a daughter, and they were eating. And uh, he said, man, I, I really felt like I was supposed to bless them. So uh, he told the waitress, you know, I want to I pick up their ticket. And the, uh, the waitress, you know, came back in a few minutes, and uh, the waitress handed in the check. Does anybody want to guess how much it was? It was $10. 
And uh, he was confused because he was like, you know, even the food that I ate was more than $10. And, and she said, well, um, you tried to bless them, and someone else in the restaurant actually picked up your ticket. And then, and then Outback saw that you were trying to bless these, uh, this, this mom and a daughter, so we reduced it all the way down to $10. So just, just give us $10, and you're free to go. But I say all that to say that, that we're just a funnel for God to bless people. You know, the, the finances that we get, man, we receive with an open hand, but we also give with an open hand. And there's a quick scripture I want to share. It's in Matthew 10, 8. It says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Freely give. And uh, just like I said, man, God's given us so much, and it's our job to be a blessing to people. But we also want to give you uh, guys just a quick update on Imagine More. As you can see, our second service is packed, and we're, we're looking to expand our church. And uh, even this week, we actually knocked out some sheetrock in the baptism back here so we could look at trussing. And uh, so we could really figure out the bones of our building to figure out, um, man, exact blueprints, exact cost, and, uh, and everything. But we're, we're almost finalizing the blueprints here in just a few weeks. So we're really excited about that and the next phase of our church. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you give. And all things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the The things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You call your song to shine on darkest night. So all that you've done, we will pour out our love as we be. Our so Come on, sing it out together. We say the Jesus we love you. Oh, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the world now. Our hearts it all. We lift it up again. Oh, we say now the Jesus we love I love you. Jesus, I love you. Lord, we love you today. Oh, how I love you. Lord, we love you. You are the world now. Our hearts adore. Would you just close your eyes a moment and shut everybody else out and just say this, Lord, I love you. I love you. God, I want to learn to love you more because the Bible says the greatest commandment in all the scripture is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And I just ask you, Lord, help me be that kind of a person. 
someone that doesn't just play religion, someone that doesn't just come to church when they're in trouble, not somebody that's hypocritical, but somebody that genuinely loves God with all their heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are glad they're here today. And you may be seated. Well, how many believe that there is an unseen spiritual world? That there's a world behind what we can quantify, a world behind what the telescope and microscope can see. In secular humanistic America, we're taught that there's nothing beyond what we can see. But how many know people in the world, many understand there's demonic forces at work. I want to show you something I saw this week. It was calling for witches, and it said, witches, we need you for a mass ritual. It was last Friday night, midnight, Friday evening, and they wanted to cast a spell to bind Donald Trump and all those who help him. Now think about that. So what are they saying? They're saying there's a force beyond us, and we want to tap into that force. We want to tap into that particular force of evil. And this is what I've been doing a series on the last few weeks. It's called Unmasked. And we want to literally do our best to take the mask off Satan to understand what the Bible teaches about him. In the Bible, he's called Satan. He's called the devil. He's called Lucifer. He's called the God with a little g of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air, deceiver, devourer, tempter. And we're trying to explore him. We're trying to see not only what the Bible says about him, how he might work in our culture, but more importantly, how he might work in our own lives. And this is what we're going to explore. This uh, uh, Last week, we, we were talking again about unmasking him, about seeing where he might work behind the scenes. Well, this morning, I want to talk about what I believe is his most effective tool against us as an individual, and that's called temptation. Now, next week, we're going to look at what I think is his most effective tool to break relationships apart. It's called offenses. But this morning, we want to look at what does, what does temptation mean? We want to, I've entitled the message, The Tempter's Snare. And we'll begin by talking about what is temptation, what does it mean? We all experience it. We experience it on a, on a, on a daily basis. We'll look in the Bible at the first temptation in the book of Genesis. We'll see that there's a process of temptation. Most people don't just wake up one day and do something crazy. You don't wake up, you know, on Thursday and have an affair on Friday, uh, Thursday night. How I many you know it, it starts a while back? There's a process that works up to that. It's temptation. And most importantly, we'll talk about what the Bible says about how we can fight temptation. So let's begin as we talk about the tempter's snare. And uh, the word temptation, the Greek word is called skandalon. It's from which we get the term scandal or scandalous. It means to cause to stumble, to entice to sin as a baited trap. It is a seduction. The devil came to Jesus. You remember the 40-day temptation, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 4, the tempter, Satan, the devil, came to Jesus. Now, whether he literally saw him as the fallen angel he is or whether it came to his mind is a possibility. But he said, if you're the son of God, talking to Jesus... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, we're going to go back and explore that more fully. Now, what I want you to see, that one of his main roles is to tempt us. If he can entice us into sin, if he can cause us to fall into a ditch, if he can call us to take the bait or the scandal. Now, how many like to fish? Let me see your hand here. Like to fish? Ah, I like to fish. I, I was raised in the country on a farm, and... Uh, 
When I was a boy, I mean, every time I'd go somewhere, I'd have my fishing pole and net and trot line, whatever it would be. But I remember when I was 14, I got a brand new rod and reel. It was a Mitchell Garcia. And my uncle would take me to the pond, and, and uh, we'd fish, and my Uncle Earl. And I remember when I was 14, it was in the springtime, and, you know, in the spring, the fish start spawning. I mean, it's just a special time. I mean, you're throwing the rod around and trying to hook them and catch them. Well, I remember there was this one time, I was 14, and we went in this pond, and I saw this fish spawning. It was a bass, a big fish. And uh, she was under a little willow tree, and you could see her fins in the top of the water. Well, how many know to a 14-year-old kid with his new rod and reel, everything in my tackle box I threw. I'd throw a worm. I'd throw an artificial this. I'd throw that. She wouldn't budge, wouldn't take the bait. I was tempting her. I was trying to do something to get her to grab hold of something. And finally, I took a big golden hook out of my tackle box, and I put a live minnow on it. And I just began to toss it under that willow tree. And I'd toss it and I'd bring it back in front of her. Then all of a sudden, I left it there just a second. And that little minnow is just, you know, kind of swimming like that little fish does. And all of a sudden, she took the bait. And I started calling for my uncle. Uncle Earl, I got one, I got one. And he came over. <laughs> now, we imported this fish from Oklahoma. Um, but what I want you to see is this, uh, it was not catch and release back then. It was catching to the frying pan. This fish went home with me because she took the bait. And I tempted her with everything I had in my tackle box till I finally found her place of weakness. And I want to see that as a picture this, this uh, morning as we talk about temptation, as we talk about the trap that it is. Genesis chapter 3, I want to begin with the first temptation. The first time in the Bible we're introduced to Satan, we see him as the tempter. In Genesis 3 verse 1, the serpent, and somehow Satan embodied this serpent, this snake. Uh, some would believe that the serpent walked uprightly. Uh, you remember when the curse was pronounced, one of the curses of the serpent would be as it would crawl on the ground. So regardless of whether the snake's walking like this or whether Satan possessed him, embodied him, somehow this is a picture of, of, of a temptation, the first temptation. And it says he was crafty. Now, how many know if you read our, our local newspaper or watch national news, how many know there's some pretty smart people that end up on the front page in an orange jumpsuit? They're educated people, they're experienced people, but yet something happened, some crafty situation, whether it was their values that were violated, whether they justified something in their mind, or whether this impulse seemingly took control of them. But through craft, uh, this uh, serpent said to the woman, and notice the first things out of Satan's mouth, did God actually say? So now we're questioning the word of God. Did God say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And I suggest to you Satan's first tactic was to get her to question God's word and disobey it. Maybe you're in the medical industry and maybe someone comes up to you and they shut the door. And they said, hey, look, I've got this new way that we can uh, 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 get money from Medicare all we have to do, this new system they've got, this new computer system, they don't have enough people that are actually checking it. It's all automated now, and I figured a way around it. And you look around the room and say, could we just maybe try this? Just you and I, we don't have to include anyone else. 
Well, guess what's happening? What you're happening is you're the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve. There's a little lure being waved in front of you, and uh, its intent is to try to put you on the table for dinner. His first tactic, question the word of God so you'll disobey it. God's word is the standard that we know the difference between right and wrong. Because let me ask you a question. How do I know that Medicare fraud or any other kind of a fraud is wrong? How do I know that it's wrong? I mean, listen, I pay taxes, you pay taxes, and probably more than you should or more than someone else does. So why is that wrong? Come on. When other people are doing it and other people are getting away from it, and there's a million other things you can add to it. So how do we know the difference between right and wrong? Friends, it's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It is the missing element in American culture today. We've lost the sense that there are absolute, uh, uh, absolute right and wrong. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, Well, we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you, lest you die. In other words, this, 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 uh, if you can imagine what the garden, is, uh, garden of Eden was like, Springtime is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, in a few weeks, there'll be some big black cherries. I love fresh cherries and nectarines and asparagus will come in and, and, and watermelons. I mean, if you buy watermelon in December, it's probably not going to be any good. Yeah, but when watermelons come in, well, can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden where you had all that food all the time and it was just whatever you wanted except one thing had a boundary around. And this is the defining mark of humanity. Will I follow God and stay within his boundaries or not? But there will be consequences, this idea of lest you die. How many know any time that we give in to temptation, if you steal money, if you cheat on the test, you may make it a time or two, but sooner or later, how many know it catches up to us? Satan doesn't care if he takes, if he can grab you with the first hook the first time he throws out the worm, or if it takes 14 or 15 tries, or if you're bumping 60 years of age, how many know if he gets you, he takes down more people with you? The verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, now he's being very brash, you're not going to die. And now he qu- causes her to question God. God knows that when you eat, your eyes are going to be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, how many know that's a half-truth? They'll know good and evil, But yet it won't be this fun experience that they talk about. The tempter whispers in our ear, it's not going to be as bad as God says. Actually, it'll probably be better because God's trying to withhold something good from you. Now, how many know the first time someone, for example, if it's drugs... You went through the D.A.R.E. program when you were in, in, in junior high or uh, late elementary. Uh, you learned the dangers of it. But how many know it's different as a classroom as a 6th or 7th grader than when you're in the 12th grade trying to impress everybody. Everybody be your friends and somebody passes a joint around the room. It's a different pressure. That when they pass that joint around the room, listen, everybody is looking good and they're smiling. And they're, you know, just here, it's good. It actually, man. You know, on day three in the Bible, I was, I was reading the Bible, and God said that he created plants. So God made this, man. Here, just take this. It's going to be good. Somebody needs to slap that boy upside the head. Come on. And it's an offer of something good, but he never thought that one day he'd become addicted to meth or addicted to crack. Come on now. And it's not the prettiness that's associated with Hollywood. 
When I was a kid, it was the Marlboro Man on a horse and this western guy in the mountains of the Rocky Mountains and this, this image, or maybe for you, it was the, the lady, the petite lady with the cigarette hanging out. And, and, it, and it tries to appeal to us and draw us in and says God has something good for you or better for you. No, I'm sorry. The temptation is better for you, but God's withholding good. Here's something, a warning from the Scripture about drunkenness, Proverbs 23. It says, who has trouble, who has bloodshot eyes. It's people who it's people who drink too much. It goes down smoothly the first time you pop the top, the first time you, you uncork it. But, but later, it bites like a snake with poison in its fangs. And you may say, well, that's not true, Pastor. I mean, I was with my friends the other day. We partied. I had a couple beers. Listen, sooner or later, your eyes will see strange sights. Your mind will be confused. I was not always a Christian, my late teenage years. I remember one time when I woke up in the morning, I didn't know where my mother's car was. Now, you could probably leave right now and find another good church in town where there's, there's a perfect preacher. But you've never done anything like that. Your head is pounding. There's vomit. It's fun though, right? But listen to the appeal. They hit me. I'm not hurt. They beat me up. I don't even remember it. I wish I could wake up and get another drink. It's something about when the hook gets in you, you can't do what you used to do. Look at verse 6. The woman saw the tree was good for food, and now it moves into the sensual realm. It was a delight to the eyes. And the tree was be desired to make one wise, so she took it, she ate the fruit, and here's number two, she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, I want you to think about the things that tempt us. And this is just a background because temptation is around all of us most of the time. Number one is that temptation will appeal to your senses. It appeals to what you see. That's why modest dress is, is important. It appeals, to, it, it, it appeals to what you feel. And here's the deal, just like Eve pulled Adam in, sooner or later you'll pull other people in with you. Or that person will pull you in, come on, if you hang around with them. Because you may have to make a choice of who you're going to hang with. Proverbs 7 tells us this about seduction. A woman met this young man and she'd been lying in wait for him. And it was a promise of something good, but he had no idea what awaited him. She was dressed to seduce him. Men are influenced by what they see. Soon she had him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. And before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to the butcher shop. You say, well, why would it say that? Because his wife found out. Or his girlfriend found out. Come on now. Or because he had this pain... When he went to the bathroom, come on, and the doctor knows, uh, you're with me today. But this is not what's appealed to us on the front end. Verse 7, the tragedy, their eyes were open, which now they're no longer innocent. They know that they were naked, and it's beyond just a physical nakedness. Now something's changed in their relationship with God. They hide themselves with fig leaves. They hide from the God that created them and gave them and loved them, and now they were driven from the garden, and one day they would die. 
The next chapter, their son kills their other son. I mean, no, this is when all the junk came into the world. And what Satan was saying the whole time it began to this little fishy is he said, you know what? If you'll just take a little bite, if you'll just latch on to this little worm and just put him in your mouth, uh uh-oh, I've got a problem. (laughs) God is with me. And before you know it, he just reeled you in. And that's the way temptation works. Now, let's talk about the process just a minute. Because like I said earlier, uh, you, if, if your buddy comes up and tries to get you to, to defraud Medicare or if some man or woman tries to get you to have an affair, it doesn't happen the same day. Usually, there's a warm-up period. Usually there's a period where we, where we begin to embrace it. It starts with resistance, and then we begin to embrace it. But let's look at James chapter 1. I call this the anatomy of a fall or the process of destruction. Because I can assure you right now, wherever you are with temptation, there's a continuum of when it begins with a desire in our heart to where it's actually conceived. Let's look at this. James 1.13, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and God tempts no one. So when you're in the middle of a struggle that's trying to catch you, God is not behind that. Verse 14, and and see if you can see this process. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. So here's where temptation starts. It starts in my heart. And something entices me. It could be a person's look. It could be the smell of their perfume. It could be the image on the internet. I mean, there's a million things, but, but I'm enticed by it. And look at verse 15. Desire when it has conceived. So how many know temptation is not a sin? Come on, everybody, aren't you glad of that? Listen, temptation, Jesus was tempted. That's not the, that's not the sinful part. The sinful part is when we say yes and conceive and give birth to sin and the, and, and the warning here is sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death. Now, you may be cheating your way through school, and you may be pretty smart at it. You may know how to get by, and you're doing it. But guess what? It might take you through your high school years cheating. You may find a way to get ahead on the ACT test. But sooner or later in college, and then you'll get caught. And how many know when you get kicked out of college, it's taken a while, but sin has a process of maturing. And usually what happens, we become sloppy with it. We become arrogant about it. We feel like we're immune from it, and I'm going to be protected from it, and we even flaunt it. Now, I want to illustrate it, something very practical here, and then I'll make a spiritual application about a trap. Let me show you this little quick video here. Hang on to your seat now. There's seat belts for those that are squeamish in the chair. sunflower seed.
stop. I can't stand it anymore. <clears throat> now, how many actually wanted to see that squirrel get caught? Let me see your hand here. You are sick. You are sick. There will be physicians to treat you after service. Call the police officer. There's a memorial service for the squirrel, by the way, tomorrow evening. Now, that's a squirrel, but isn't that the way temptation works? That squirrel saw the seed and he wanted some. Then the squirrel, number two, ate the seed and for a few minutes he was happy. But then there came a moment when he couldn't eat any more seed because his neck was stuck in the trap. And if he's still alive, he wishes he'd never seen the seed. And if he gets out, he promises the squirrel god that he'll never eat seed again. That's the way it works. But let's kind of make some personal application to us now because I know we've talked about fish and we've talked about squirrels. But how many know the tempter has a snare? Here's the first thing that we see back from that scripture in James. Again, that process that begins in our desire. I mean, no, temptation appeals to a desire in the human heart. And we all have different things that tempt us. Listen, if I'm at the beach and see a guy in the Speedo, that does nothing to me, okay? <laughs> but now if I see a cute young lady in a bikini, you're getting pretty holy on me out there. <laughs> then you have to decide if you've made a covenant with your eyes or not, or maybe go somewhere. Are you with me? But it starts with a desire in our heart, and the desire is not the sin. How many know our sinful nature just brings some things about in our family? A, a sinful nature, I believe, in some specific ways can even be translated through the family line. If you're, how many know if you're raised in an immoral, you know, it's loose, or, or there's alcohol, or there's drugs, and there's a part of it, it just tends to become a part of your own, uh, your own world. But number two is where the pivotal decision is made. Uh, 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 remember the word conceived? Desire conceives into sin. This has to do with our decision that we're either going to resist and walk away or we're going to give in and say yes. Let me show you one more little picture here. A um, little Rocky raccoon here. You see him? Well, he was out in my garden. Not my garden. He was by my pond the other day. And uh, I've got some wood ducks out there that were wanting to nest in a wood duck house. And uh, Rebecca was feeding them corn by the edge of the pond. And all of a sudden at night, I hear my dog going ballistic out there. And I shine the light. Well, old Rocky Raccoon's eating the corn. So I got a little trap. I put a handful of corn inside and put some marshmallows on top of the corn for dessert. And just waited a day or two. And guess what was inside? Now, I'm a catch and release on the raccoon, okay? I took him to your house. So, I mean, it was, if you see a little critter there, it's my, it's my gift to you. But here's what I want you to see. When he was, was, was around the edge of that trap, there was just a piece of corn here and there, and the raccoon would get it and the duck would get it, but he saw something inside there that his little hand could inside and get. But, but it was a pile of corn. And he had to decide, am I going to be satisfied away from it or do I want to get all of it? And that's when the decision is made, consequences follow, because our desires will lure us to sin, and the consequences are inescapable. And if you don't believe me, ask the squirrel. And if you can't find the squirrel, go in the Bible and ask Ananias and Sapphira. If you can't find them, uh, ask Samson. And if you can't find Samson, look in the New Testament and ask Judas. 
And perhaps the most provocative part of this scripture is when it says, don't be deceived. Can you say that with me? Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself because it can happen to me and it can happen to you. If you listen to the voice that says one click on the porn site won't hurt, it's lying. If you listen to the voice that says you won't get pregnant if you're careful, it may be lying to you. If you listen to the voice that says one smoke, one pill, one line, one snort, can I tell you, friends, if you don't think it'll hurt you, just punch your neighbor and say, ask the squirrel because he knows. Now, let me, let me shift gears here in the last couple of moments. How do we deal with temptation? How do I overcome it? And I'm going to suggest to you that there's something that I have to do in my own self-will, but I'll also tell you very clearly, I don't have enough willpower to say no to everything. I need some help from heaven. So let's kind of look at these two. Here's where it begins. Matthew 4, and I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one is that we need to discern and then fight temptation with the Word of God. Now, back to Jesus. You remember we were with him. Matthew 4, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You may kind of scratch your head on that. God's not tempting him, but God allows this to be a spiritual test. And the devil is the tempter. Well, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And here is the greatest understatement in all of the Bible. (laughs) He was hungry. And the tempter came, notice now, in his moment of weakness. If the tempter is going to tempt you into some type of an affair, it probably is not going to be when you're out on a date with your spouse. It's probably going to be when you're in Dallas on a business trip by yourself. He's going to catch you at a weak spot. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And what he was literally saying spiritually to Jesus was, I want you to act independent of God's will. I want you to misuse your power. And Jesus gave this reply. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3 when he, Jesus said, what did he say? It is written. Jesus didn't think that. Jesus said that. And then he quoted the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now this happened on three different times. And at the third time, the devil left him, but it says until an opportune time. In other words, the devil went away until there was another moment of weakness for him to come get after him. So let me tell you the two things that I see in this passage. Number one, a knowledge of the Bible. This is why Bible reading is so important. Why I encourage you to download that app. Read with us every day. If you can't read Old and New Testament, just read the New. But it gets the Bible in your mind so we know the difference between right and wrong. It's like it gives the Holy Spirit something to bring to our remembrance when we're in a situation. But knowing it is only part of it, can I tell you, this is how, it's like the Word of God had power to push the devil away. I mean, sometimes you just, uh, you need something more than what you have. Uh, I I like to garden, it's one of my hobbies, and uh, uh, this rabbit has outsmarted me. I can't catch him, I can't shoot him, I can't get rid of him. So I got so upset that finally I I got me one of these things uh, for cattle, cattle fences, the electric deal. So I've got my cabbage surrounded by four strands of wire, and I got it hooked up to the, to the current. I'm going to keep that rabbit and that cat and that dog out of, my, out of my cabbage and my cauliflower. But I didn't know if it was working or not. I found out I needed something more than what my own power could take care of. 
I couldn't catch him at daylight. I couldn't catch him at dark. I couldn't catch him with the trap at night or during the day. But I got something that's kept him out the last few days now. You and I need something. And I'm telling you, friends, the Word of God has spiritual power. In the unseen world, it has power to push back. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you. You and I can and should daily pray and cry out to Jesus for help. Now, this is the point. Let me be real honest with you. I have some things that I know I have a hard time controlling. Anybody with me today? I have some things that I know that if I let myself get too close to, it's going to grab me. So I pray for those often. Now, here's how I pray, twofold. Number one, I pray before the temptation happens. In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, but I don't pray it in 30 seconds rote memory. I pray each phrase of it is like a step up a step ladder. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I take time to praise and thank God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I I pray for my family, my church. I pray for you. I pray for people's troubles. But then I pray, verse 13, lead us not. Lead me not, Lord, into temptation, but do what? Deliver me from evil. This is how I set myself up for my day, asking God to keep me from temptation. But what happens if you get in it? Now, Hebrews 4, and this is a big one. Hebrews 4.14 says, We have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, in the Old Testament, the high priest would represent the people before God. He would bring a sacrifice to atone for their sins. So the picture is that Jesus now represents us before our Heavenly Father. And verse 15 says about Jesus, We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. These are the things where we're prone to struggle, but one who is in every respect tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now notice what it says, verse 16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So what's it saying? In the middle of your time of need, go to Jesus and ask for help. Let me tell you what I do. i, I got to be honest. I feel shame. I feel condemnation when I'm flirting with sin or when I say yes to it. Anybody had to ask God to forgive you for something more than 100 times? Let me see your hand here. Yeah, yeah, several here. How about more than 1,000? Yeah, in the back. Could you tell us what that was, please? <laughs> Just teasing. But we feel shame. Do, do you think it, it's like... It's like when you're scared pulling the covers over your head. Now, if it's a robber in the house, do you think that's going to help you from the robber? No. What do your children do? It's like at that point, rather than running from God, we need to run to him. And if you don't hear anything else about the message, hear this one. In the middle of your temptation, in the middle of your struggle, next time, say out loud, Jesus, I need you to help me. This thing is too strong for me. Now listen, if you happen to be with some people and they're passing the joint around and whatever, if you start talking like that, come on now, when everybody's getting high, they're going to kick you out. (laughs) Or if you're sitting at your computer, come on now, and these ads just pop up, how about just out loud, just not at work because you could get fired, but but if you're at home, just say out loud, Jesus, this thing is tempting me. Would you please help me? Now, the Lord might tell you to come on, get some screening software or something like that. But what I'm telling you is when you cry out to God, when you go to our high priest, spiritual power can be released on our behalf. If if we cry out to God in the midst of our temptation, and here's the last one. I'll close with this. We need to look for the way of escape and get out of there. 
say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? 2 Timothy 2, verse 22 says this. What's the first word? Say it again. Say it one more time. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust and instead do what? Pursue righteous living. Now, what does that mean practically? That means, listen, if you are a young lady, listen, or a young man and you're out on a date and your date wants to take you down a dark gravel road, tell him to take you back to the mall. Come on now. Tell him he needs to spend some money on you. Come on now. Because I'm telling you, if you just let him... What do you think he's giving you those couple beers for? Run. You say, well, he won't love me. He doesn't love you anyway. He loves himself. You're at work, and the boss had to run out on an emergency, and they don't have any sophisticated, you know, monetary money tracking things. They don't have a camera, and the cash register's open, and somebody gives you, one of the employees gives you a $20 bill, said, ooh, it's our lucky day. And she puts it in her pocket, and she gives you one. You better give it back. Because first it's a 20, come on now, then it's a 100, then it becomes a way of life. And before you know it, you're in the newspaper. See, this is the way that it works. If you're at work one day and your boss says, listen, we made a mistake, we forgot to file this form, we didn't get it accurate, I need you to do this. I'll make you, I'll give you a raise. If you're just, you know, well, it's lying. No, it's not really lying, everybody does that. Run, friend. It's better to find another job. Come on now. It's better, to, it's better to find another boyfriend. It's better, come on, to run while you have the ability. Because once you get into it and once it gets its tentacles around you, once the hook gets in your jaw, I mean, no, it's pretty hard to run then. I mean, no, it's going to take you where it wants you to go. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? Know the Word of God. Believe it has spiritual power. Pray every day. Start your day with the Lord's Prayer. Ask Him to keep you from the temptation. And if you get in the middle of it, friend, cry out to God for help. And then before it gets in there with your emotions, before it begins to control you, you get out of there. You run out of there, friend. Because God, Scripture makes this promise, and I'll close with this thought. The Lord will never let us be tempted beyond what we're able to bear but with every temptation provides a way of escape. Let's just bow our heads a moment. And I, before you think about the restaurant and turn in church off, could we just take a moment and say, Lord, now, what are you saying to me about what we've heard? We did more today than just look at squirrel traps and rat traps and fishing poles. We read probably 12, 15, 18 scriptures all about the way that Satan got his hook race and could we just present ourselves before the Lord say I can't do this for you today could you just say Lord I I want to live a righteous life I don't want to let the tempter's hook catch me I want my love to God for God to grow greater just talk to the Lord right now for some of us we need to get into or back into the word of God we need that standard of truth to guide us.
for others, we just simply need to cry out to God for His help because our willpower is not where it needs to be. But the Bible says where we're weak, then we're strong. For others, I believe there's significant people here today, you need to make a choice because there's some people in your world that are pulling you down the wrong track. And you need to decide today. They could be a professional peer. It could be a, a who knows what. It could be a someone trying to entice you in an affair. It could be, it could be a buddy. Uh, who knows? But you may need another friend. Help us today, Holy Spirit. We don't want our life to be ended on a hook. We don't want to end up in the, in the cage. We want to finish strong where Christ will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to end up in jail. I don't want to bring shame to you because I'm on the front page of the paper in an orange suit. I don't want to have to move out of town because people, people know what I've done. just lift our hands to heaven and say, God, I can't do this on my own. But I need that spiritual power. Not just a feeling. Not just an emotion, but I need something real. Something like Jesus had when he told the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. I need the courage, Lord, to say yes to you and no to that thing that's out to destroy you. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Just say that. Say, Lord, I welcome you. I want you to, Lord, help change the desires of my heart. That's the starting place. Change my desires. Help me desire godly things rather than the things that are built upon my lust. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, I'm really glad you're here today. Like I say, next week we're going to talk about offenses. And it's Satan's great tool that divides people. we got more room on our first service and our second service as well. Before you go to lunch, you know, you may want to go out. If you're new in our church, go to the Connect Room. They'll tell you how to join the church, how to get involved. We've got that Connect class starting this Wednesday. That's for new people. But before we leave, I want to play one last song and give an opportunity for prayer. And maybe you're here today, and maybe something's really touched you in this message, and you know you really need God's help. We'd be honored to pray with you. Maybe you've got a, a, a child, a grandchild, somebody that's away from God. And let me know, if someone's living in the world, that means the tempter's got them on the line. You may want to come and pray for them, that God would help a friend. But whatever it is, we'd be delighted to pray. The most important thing I'd like to pray for today, though, is your personal relationship with Christ. Because here's a reality I know. How many know the Bible says all of us have sinned? I've been pretty transparent about myself today. But, but all of us have sinned. And how many know it only takes one sin to make a sinner? And it's our sin that keeps us away from God. I can't be good enough to earn my way into heaven. I can't do enough good things. I need the grace of God. I need the forgiveness that that cross reminds me of. And maybe you're here today and you're at a spiritual crossroads in your life. And you feel like I'm talking to you right now. Well, listen, that's the Holy Spirit talking through me to you. Because Jesus wants you to follow him. And he made this wonderful promise that if we would believe in him, we'd have everlasting life. If we would be willing to confess our sins and turn from them and follow him, he'd wash our past old past away and give us a brand new start. And I wonder if you're here today, friends, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to commit my life to Christ, and I want to do it right now. You see, when you make a decision to turn to Christ, I was, the, 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 the worst memories I have of my life, I'm 59, but when I was 17, 18, and 19, when I was away from God, 
And I gave my heart to Jesus on August 15, 1976. He said, what'd you do? I just prayed a prayer like you're about to pray if you want to. I just asked Christ to forgive me, and I invited him to come and be my Lord and Savior. I tell you, friend, my life changed at that moment. Jesus, the same Jesus that saved me, the same Jesus that saved hundreds of people in this room today, wants to give you a brand new start in life if you'll take your first step today. So if you say, Pastor, pray for me, I want to give my heart to Jesus, and I want to do it now. Would you just slip your hand to heaven? I know who you are. Say, pray for me. God bless you, sir. Give him a big hand today. And God bless you, too. Others, say, pray for me. Come on, just wave your hand real boldly. Yeah, God bless you today. God bless you. Others today, say, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. You that lifted your hand, we're gonna, our prayer team is going to come to the front right now and pray for people. But you that lifted your hand, I want to invite you to come to the cross and let somebody pray with you there and give you something as you commit your life to Christ. Come, let us pray for you. Give one more big hand today. Committing your life to Christ, you need prayer, getting back to God. Come on up and meet us at the cross. It'll be life-changing to you. Let's sing this last song and we'll go. I love you. Thanks for coming today. Your things are passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant Things that we Prayer teams are going to remain around front. Hey, they'll pray with you about anything. But you're free to be dismissed if you don't need prayer. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week and look forward to seeing you next week. Jesus, we love you.